Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Dear Writer. Today we are recording episode 90, and it's another one of our author spotlight episodes. And we have Melissa Guyan on the show today. Welcome, Melissa. Hey, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. So Melissa is a New Zealand-based indie author. Her work spans a number of subgenres in romantic fiction with a different pen name for each. So in the YA romance, she goes by Jordan Ford. In romantic suspense, she's Melissa Pearl. And in romantic comedy, she's Melody Sweet. That's such a cute name, by the way. I love it. (laughs) She also co-writes Christian small town romance under the pen name Sophia Quinn. Melissa has published nearly 80 novels and owns a small press company, Forever Love Publishing. It's great to have you on the show, Melissa. It's awesome to be here. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. So to begin with, and to get to know you a bit, we like to start with the question of how you got started writing in the first place. And when did you decide to pursue it more seriously and begin to think about getting published? So um, as a child, I always used to make up stories in my head, like always. I would write myself into TV shows I liked and uh, make up characters and put them into movies that I loved and stuff. But I just never realized that I could actually be a writer. Like it just didn't even cross my mind. But I would always be making up stories. And when I was in my early 20s, my best friend said to me, you should write one of these stories. Like I would love to see one of these ideas on paper so I was like okay so I went home and I think I wrote five chapters in my first like I sat down and just kind of wrote five chapters straight and I loved it (laughs) and um I gave I gave those chapters to her and she really enjoyed them so I kept writing and then I gave the book to a couple of other people and they really liked it too and I thought oh wow maybe maybe I can actually write so I was a teacher at the time Um, So I would just write on the weekends and in my spare time. And then when I had my first child, my son, I really wanted to be a stay-at-home mum. So I used his nap times and I would write. And um, I I did an online writing course and stuff. And so I'd do that during his nap times. And that's how I kind of got into it. Uh, And then I tried to get um, traditionally published initially. Indie publishing was still very, very new. And I didn't even really know anything about it. And of course, I got lots of rejections, as you always do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My brother suggested to look into to self-publishing. He was telling me about this woman called Amanda Hocking, who was like um, making a killing in self-publishing at the time. So I did some research and I thought, oh, actually, I might, I might give this a go. And I did, and I think I made like $35 in my first month. Of being, um, That's pretty um, good, really. That's <laughs> something, though. <laughs> exactly. So, but at the time, I was just an at-home mum. Like, I wasn't needing to earn sort of money. But then um, mm-hmm. I think about eight months into it, I put my first book in my trilogy for free. And um, it just kind of took off from there. And I got a book bum feature deal. And I kind of just went from there and... Yeah, it's been a, it's it's really a roller coaster. Like you have real highs where you're earning heaps, and then you have patches where everything just seems to dip, and then you have another rise. So, so I've just kind of been riding mm-hmm. a roller coaster for the last ten years or so. I have heard it's quite good for uh, romance authors for self publishing. Se- seems to be, I mean, like there's a lot of competition now 
But yes, huge. It's also <laughs> hugely. It's um, the market has changed so much in the ten years I've been doing it, and I actually have an agent now, which is super exciting. So I'd love it if I could maybe go hybrid because I think there's a lot of benefits to being able to do both. Mm. But I haven't got any. I mean, I, I got an audio book deal, which was fantastic. So those audio books came out this year, but. I just it'd just be really cool, I think, to be able to work with a traditional publisher as well and sort of yeah. experience both. But we'll see what the future holds there. For sure. The other thing that I wanted to touch on that you sort of mentioned was that like writing in nap times, that is harder than it seems. <laughs> <laughs> At least when they're they're quite little because oh, sure. you'll like, put them down and you'll be like, Okay, they're down for the nap and then like five minutes later they're up and you're like, Oh, I know. So. <laughs> and my my eldest actually only did like forty minute naps. So whereas my my second son, he was nice enough to do sort of hour and a half naps. This is when they're toddlers, <laughs> and um, so I just sort of write them yeah. and that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, definitely writing during nap times is hard. But I just steal whatever seconds I could get. <laughs> yeah, you you do have to, and yeah, I admire people when they're like oh yeah I have a little one and I've ridden during nap times and stuff and I'll be like I still haven't quite found a balance yet but I'm getting there so when you're not so sleep deprived wait till they're sleeping through the night and then you might have a go (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) waiting for that that moment where you can be like good night at like 7 30 and then sleep right through and then I can be like oh yes yes your stuff done in the evening I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your audiobook deal. That's really exciting. It must have been quite cool to finally like hear it being like spoken aloud. That must have been quite an interesting moment. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah, I've been lucky enough to get a few um, audiobook deals, which has been cool. And there, there is something very – I mean, I'm not much of an audiobook listener. I'm obviously more of a visual learner rather than an auditory one because I find mm-hmm. when I listen to audiobooks I, I tune out really easily whereas I prefer to read. But I know that audiobooks are huge so I really wanted to be able to get some for my audience. So but but then I have to edit them so you kind of listen and read along at the same time and it is amazing hearing your story come to life and have someone read your story. It's it's just such a different experience. So, um, yeah, I've had most of my Jordan Ford stuff is now in audiobook, maybe 60% of it. And then I've had one, a couple of Melissa Pearl series made into audiobooks, and it's been really cool. Yeah, I'd love to get I'd love to get all of my books in audiobook, but it's very expensive. So unless you can get a deal, you've got to have quite the funding behind you to be able to produce them. Yeah. Totally understand that. We haven't quite gone down the audio route yet, but we're kind of looking at it. So, oh, it's definitely worth it because I think it's growing as well. You know, um, like my mm-hmm. husband, for example, he only listens to audiobooks because that, that works better for him. So, I do think that if you can, and I know that there's deals you can get through Findaway and stuff where you kind of go 50 50 with the narrator and that kind of stuff but I chose to with I've got, I've got one series that I'm doing the audiobooks on my own um, and I've chosen just to pay the narrator and then and then the audiobook is all mine um, immediately but yeah it's been really pricey so I'm just having to do like one audiobook at a time and kind of have a bit of time mm-hmm. to save up to do the next one so it's taking a little while but yeah. uh, it'll be worth it in the end I think it'll be yeah fun. yeah yeah I definitely find like I I struggle to tune into the audio as well, but at the same time, it is uh, very convenient for when you can't sit down with a book in your hands. So 
Definitely. I think, yeah, I think like having it on while you're doing the dishes or cleaning the house, Mm -hmm. you know, or you're taking the dog for a walk or whatever, you know, there's lots of really great places to listen to audiobooks, which is quite cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess you, you sort of talked a little bit about how you sort of used to juggle writing with your sort of life. What does it look like these days and how do you find it? Do you, do you set particular times for your writing or how do you manage it with your daily life? Um, definitely. I mean, I try and treat it very much like a full-time job. So um, I usually get up at around 5.30 and I work from 5.30 till 7 in the morning because I'm just i a morning person, not an evening person. So I'll try really hard to write during that time because I find if I can start my day off writing, I just sort of have a more successful day doesn't always work that way sometimes I'm having to do emailing and admin stuff but if I can start with writing I feel like that sets me off quite well and then I go into mummy mode for a while and get my kids off to school and take the dogs for a walk and all that kind of stuff and then I try and work from about 9 a.m till 3 p.m and I go to the I go to the gym for my morning tea break (laughs) um and I'm very (laughs) naughty at taking a very short lunch break I'm not very good at that actually so I'll just sort of have a 10 minute lunch break and then just kind of keep working and so I try and write till about midday-ish and then I spend my afternoon doing you know TikTok videos and social media stuff and admin and emailing and and all the other stuff that you have to do um that I really don't (laughs) I would rather write all day um (laughs) and then I try really hard to stop working when my kids get home from school I'm not always that good at it but yeah so but I definitely stop working definitely stop working by about five o'clock and you know go back into mummy mode and then I don't touch my computer again until the next morning because I find that if I work in the evening I just can't sleep because my brain's too fired up Um, (laughs) so yeah so that's sort of my daily routine and then on the weekends I tend to work from about seven till nine or ten in the morning and then take the rest of the day off so I I think sometimes I I work a bit too much like I, I would love to be able to maybe take all of Sunday off and not even open my laptop. But I find that really, really hard to do. So it's something that I'm yep. having to work on for my own mental health. <laughs> yeah, <I> totally <laughs> understand. Yeah. And I think it is really good to have like those downtimes in between, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's like what you do every day. Because for a little bit, I was kind of doing that as well and otherwise it does become a bit and you're just still thinking about like the characters and you're like oh and the scenes like oh this is gonna be next and this is what I'm writing next and it is quite hard to wind down yeah definitely (laughs) yeah 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 but I'm I'm um with juggling the different pair names I'm a total nerd when it comes to being organized and and stuff so I like plan out sort of 12 to 18 months in advance and I know exactly which books are coming out when and I like to stick to a deadline so I know that all this pressure that I put on myself is totally my own doing because I'm my own boss but um I just sort of am quite driven I guess by by deadlines and stuff and and by trying to make sure that uh, all my different readers are, are getting the books that they want so yeah I guess that's how I juggle that side of things just being super organized and mapping stuff out really far in advance do you have a, a target for how many books you like to complete per year or anything? Or is it more like a flexible sort of deadline? Well, oh, it's, it's deadline. definitely flexy, but I think generally speaking, I try and sort of 
published about six a year. I, I'm quite I'm quite fast with my actual writing. I can I can get a book book out relatively quickly. So every two months works quite well for me. Although this year I'm trying something different. Like last year, I I think I only published Jordan Ford. Like I tried to just really zero in on one pen name. But this year I've decided to to try and write a little bit from all my pen names. Uh, not so much mm-hmm. Melissa Pearl, but but Jordan Ford, Melody, and Sophia. Uh, Sophia's easy because it's co-written so I plan the book and then she writes the first draft and then I edit it so um, okay yeah which works really well for us and so so that I find that really easy to kind of work on those ones because I really do love the planning stage of it but then with my other books it's just about time management and stuff and I I actually emailed my readers the other day saying listen I have totally overextended myself on this one because I'm also uh, organizing the Romance Writers in New Zealand conference this year which is a huge undertaking (laughs) I can imagine and I don't think I realized quite how big it was when I said yes so I just had to email readers and say look I'm really sorry but everything is going to be pushed back by a few weeks because I just can't I can't manage I can't manage it. I've overextended myself. And they're always so understanding and so nice about it. So, yeah. I just wanted to pick up one other thing that you mentioned. You mentioned you set aside time for your TikTok videos. Mm-hmm. How have you found being on TikTok um, as a author? Like, what has that experience been like? Um, I have a love-hate relationship with TikTok. I think uh, TikTok can be hugely advantageous and uh, I have an example which I'll tell you in a little minute Um, but I also find it frustrating because sometimes I'll make a video that I think is really awesome and I'll be like oh this is so great the language is really evocative I like my background the music school and it'll get like nine views I'm like are you kidding me and then I'll post (laughs) another one like the next day that will get two and a half thousand it's like well why why did that one do so? You know, like I just, I, I think yeah. I get frustrated because mm-hmm. I don't always understand the mechanics behind the TikTok algorithms right. and how they work and stuff. But then in saying that, um, my co-author Maggie um, made a TikTok video for one of our Sophia Quinn books that absolutely took off and she put it onto Instagram as well. And I think it got like 3 million views or something. And it oh, wow. shot the entire series right up the Amazon ranking like we got up into I think the best it did was around 300 and something which is huge and it and it made for a very brilliant June <laughs> yeah, so, I can't um, imagine so it was awesome and, and the whole series got a big boost you know mm-hmm. so, so that was super exciting and we've tried to replicate that and of course haven't been able to yet but we're still trying <laughs> but I'm so like what did we do exactly so we've even used the same wording and the same song and everything and it just has not had that same same reaction so that's that's what I find frustrating about TikTok is I don't always understand why this one did and this one didn't. But mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. TikTok is brilliant because it is it's a free marketing tool. It only costs you your time. And readers seem to just really love those kind of clips with a bit of like a teaser from, from the novel with a cool song in the background. And yeah, I just think that TikTok, although it can be frustrating, is absolutely worth the time because you just never know when one might go viral and you know I've had a couple of friends one of my friends got up to number 12 in store through through TikTok just just doing really well with TikTok and Instagram and stuff so Insta Reels so it's like well it's worth it then isn't it so yeah I'm curious about the like because I 
am not a TikTok person. I've never really been on it at all. I'm curious about the song usage. Like, do people come up against like copyright issues with like songs and using songs for like short clips and stuff? Or yeah, I, I mean, it, I, I do have... people just generally just go ahead and use whatever they want? I've had two experiences with that. So I had one Insta reel that was taken down because I used a song. I didn't realize that I couldn't use the song, but Instagram just, I'd have been up for about three or four months. And then I just suddenly got a notification from Instagram saying this video has been taken down because you used a song that you weren't allowed to, which is fine. I just, I just left it at that. Uh, and then I've had another one, a case on um, TikTok or Instagram. I can't remember which one. Um, where I used a song and then the the writer of the song actually commented on my video going oh you used my song that's so exciting thank you so much so um so I think yeah because I guess it's marketing for them as it well is. it's absolutely it's marketing for them so I I mean I just use whatever songs are on TikTok or Instagram available to me um you know I I use a lot of Taylor Swift and Jonas Brothers and stuff because that kind of suits the the style of the videos I'm posting Um, for for Mm -hmm. our small town. um, We've got a few different TikTok accounts. So our Sophia Quinn stuff goes onto an account called Small Town Book Love. And so we use a lot of country music, country country Western music for that because Mm -hmm. it's perfect sort of vibe. And then for our Rom-Coms for Life account, we obviously use more upbeat kind of poppy songs because that's what I push my melody sweet stuff through, you know. So you want Mm -hmm. to, you know, and so I just use whatever songs are on at the time. So I'm assuming that all the songs that are actually up there are allowed to be up there. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I wasn't a hundred percent sure how it works. Like I haven't even gone on it to like, look at like whether there's like a backlog or like whether you provide the songs or like what goes on. So that's kind of cool. You lose a lot of your life looking at, looking at TikTok. (laughs) 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 Oh no! <laughs> so maybe I should get my. I, I'm a girl guide leader, uh, oh, so maybe nice. I should get my rangers to do TikTok videos for me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would love it if I could find like a TikTok expert who's like, "I love your books. I'll totally do your TikTok for you." I'd be like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you have any favorite authors? That, who inspire your writing? When I first got into writing, uh, there was an author, a Christian author called Francine Rivers, who I just adored. Like I read a lot of her books as a teenager and I just thought she was amazing. And her writing style just really works for me. I just love the way like her actual prose uh, works really well for me. I love it. So I actually emailed her and told her that I'd like to get into writing and she suggested an online writing course. So I did uh, a two-year correspondence course with the... Um, I don't even know if it's around anymore. It's with the American Christian American Writers Guild or something, something like that. So I did that and that was really useful. But I actually found so so that was a really good foundation for me. And I learned mm-hmm. a lot in that course. Uh, and then I also went on and I read books like um what's that one by Chris Vogler? Oh, The Writer's Journey by Chris Vogler was amazing. Um uh, yeah. and a story uh, by Robert McKee. He's a screenwriter. But his book mm-hmm. like was like a Bible. Like I took like 30 pages of notes when I was reading. It was just absolute gold. And I learned so much from that. So I guess they've been inspirational in the sense of teaching me how to structure a story and, and how to yep. do good character development development and stuff. Actual writers, like I've got, 
I read a lot because Stephen King says that a good writer is a good reader and you can learn from both good books and bad books. Um, so I read, I try and read 50 books a year if I can, and I try and read variety. At the moment, I'm on a bit of a romantic comedy kick just because I'm I'm writing a romantic comedy series. So I've really loved Sally Thorne. Her, her actual writing is brilliant. Oh my gosh, she's such a good writer. I love the way she describes stuff and weird stuff. It's fantastic. And I also really enjoy Ellie Hazelwood. She's got a really awesome writing style as well. So I think I try when I'm writing a particular genre, I try very hard to read some books in that genre because I can find it quite inspiring. I think when you're working on a particular book to read in that genre so that you can be picking up stuff. Yep. So they're the ones that are fresh in my mind at the moment only because that's what I'm working on. But I've got so many authors that I've really, really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And, and I get I get a little inspiration out of any good book, really, whether it's Indri or traditionally published or I just, yeah, if I read a good book, I, I get inspired to want to try and try and do better in my own writing if I can. And I also yeah. find music and movies very inspiring too. Anything that that can get me, give me the feels, you know, I feel like that can Mm -hmm. inspire me to put that into my books as well. I found that recently as well with a couple TV shows and movies. Sometimes it's just the tone of the movie. You watch it and you're like, it's not even really the story. It's something about this tone that I really like and I want to, you know, recreate that I, you know, maybe I can think of a story that would like give a similar tone I guess absolutely yeah for sure and there's definitely certain scenes or something that just really I don't know do something in your chest and you're like I want to be able to put what I'm feeling right now into my books as well I want want my readers to feel what I'm feeling right now so how can I put that into my writing you know yeah I think that's what I like about my Melody Sweet stuff actually because um all of my Melody Sweet books come with a soundtrack so um, there's like oh, a cool. Spotify playlist that you can listen along to while you're reading if you wanted or afterwards, whatever. And um, I definitely, the music can, like I would listen to the music while I was writing the scene where the music is featured. So you kind of got all the emotions going with it, which is really fun, fun way of doing it. Is it stuff with lyrics or is it, or is it more instrumental? Oh yeah, it's mostly with lyrics. And I would go like with my Lyrics of Love series, each book had a slightly different musical tone and feel. So like the first book, the main character um, loves jazz because her parents who have passed away, they were huge jazz fans. So she kind of clings to jazz as a way to stay close to them. So there's a lot of jazz music in that one. Mm-hmm. Whereas like further, like the book number four or five is like a rock star romance. So there's heaps of like cool kind of punk rock kind of music. And, you know, so I've tried to kind of each book's got a slightly different feel to match the 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 story and the, and the tone of the book. That must help with your TikToks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying to do it because I published those quite a while ago. So I'm trying to sort of remember the storylines and, and create some, yeah, so, and, and some of those TikToks have actually done quite well. So I do need to keep pushing those ones. Yeah. I'd like to ask you a little bit about your writing process now. Are you mm-hmm. more of a plotter or pantser or somewhere in between? Plotter, like 100%. <laughs> I used to be a pantser. <laughs> um, I used to just sit down and write. I think I'd, I'd write and then plan out the next four or five chapters of where it's kind of going and then, I, you know, but then when I started studying writing and, and reading like story by Robert McKee and, and the Chris Vogel book and stuff, I started to really get an understanding 
of character journey and I'm huge about character journey like I really really like my characters to start in one place and then end up a better version of who they were at the beginning of the story and in order to achieve that you really do need to in my opinion I know everyone's different but in my opinion in order to achieve really good character growth you need to plan out your story so you know how to get your character from A to B so I spend I do really in-depth character development Um, I've refined my process over the years so it is getting slightly quicker but yeah I spend a lot of time on character development and I do like a bullet point plot of my whole story to make sure that it follows a a decent sort of I work off a three-act structure so I try and make sure that I've got all my plot points and climaxes where they need to be and stuff I don't I don't want to make it more formulaic and, and so they don't every story doesn't always follow the exact same structure but I try and sort of you know color within the lines of that the loose paper. outline yeah yeah and then after that I do a detailed plan of each chapter and sometimes I'll throw in like a bunch of dialogue there so when it comes to writing my actual first draft it can be quite quick because I might have over half a chapter of dialogue already written so I can just copy and paste that and right pop it into my chapter and then just write around it yeah so then I write my first draft and then and then it means I only have to do so I do one edit send it off to my structural editor do another edit send it off to my proofreaders and stuff and do my final edit and then the book's kind of ready to go. So I feel like it's relatively quick because I put in all the time with the planning in the in the beginning. And it also mm-hmm. means as I'm writing, sometimes when I get to the first draft, I'll be writing and go, actually, I don't actually need this scene that I planned. You know, that's going to make it too long-winded or I need to pick up the pace of it here. So it means that I'm not writing huge sections of stuff that I'm later deleting if anything, it's the opposite. Yeah. I won't write that, but then I'll add this bit in later or that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I, it works really well for me. It does sound very similar to our process in general as well with, like, the outline and then the detailed chapter plans is what we also do. I think you're one of the few plotters that we've had in common. Like, <laughs> I was just thinking like There's a lot of pantsers out there. You really are. And I'm and kind I mean, of surprised because, yeah. Yeah, they do so well for themselves. And I'm always impressed because I feel mm-hmm. like, I'm like, how do you do that? Like, I just... I, yeah, I, just I don't know either. Me. Yeah. <laughs> me neither. I don't know about you guys, but I don't often get writer's block because if I have writer's block, it's during the planning process, you know? And and so I find that when I actually come to writing the actual book, I mean, I with my, with my latest Jordan Ford novel, it just seemed to flow. And I think I wrote the whole thing in like 12 days or something. It was stupid. Like I was writing... Oh, wow. Seven to wow. 10,000 words a day, which is way more than I normally would. But it was just flowing because I knew the story so well. So it was just a matter of getting it out. I mean, normally it takes me about three to four weeks to write a first draft, but that one just came so quickly. So, yeah, so that was quite that was quite cool. Do you use beta readers at all or do you mostly just rely on your proofreaders and your editors to sort of pick up issues? I used to use beta readers and I think beta readers are awesome, but um, just with life changing and stuff, I kind of lost beta readers over the years and then I've tried to find new mm-hmm. ones. And then, so for the last few, I've just sent it to my, she's actually my structural editor and my copy editor kind of in one. My editor, um, mm-hmm. I love her so much, but she, she's awesome. Like she will send me pages of notes of what could, what I could do to improve the book. And then she also does a, a first run cop, copy edit. Mm-hmm. So she's really brilliant. So I kind of just rely on her now. And I find with, like, I used to have, I think I used to have three beta readers. 
and they would all seem to pick up on similar stuff. Occasionally there'd be a bit of variance, but generally speaking, they'd pick up on the same stuff, which is what my copy editor often picks up on. So I kind of feel okay. like, uh, you know, like my bases are covered. I mean, I hope, yeah. I like to think that my books aren't getting worse <laughs> um, because <laughs> I'm not having beta readers Hopefully anymore. Not. But, I mean, it's all what you can find, like, you know, it's a, I feel like it's a big ask to ask someone to read your book and then pick it apart. Uh, and all the authors that I kind of know and work with, they're all really busy. So I wouldn't want to ask them because I don't necessarily have time to return the favor and read their stuff either. It's actually mm-hmm. quite a long, it takes a lot to read a book and then mm. give someone lots of specific feedback. So yeah, so and then yeah. with my, I've got a review team of about 40 or so readers and about four or five of them are really good at Actually, probably five to ten of them are really good at sending me if they find a mistake. So they're like my proofreaders. Um, but then they also will say, oh, look, I really didn't like this bit. Actually, just uh, my Just a Little White Lie by Melody Sweet was a really good example because I sent it off to my review team thinking it was all good to go. And then I had about three or four of them getting back to me going, I didn't, I know, please don't be offended. I normally love your books, but this one just isn't really working for me and it's not romantic enough. And I was like, oh, my gosh, holy crap. So... Because enough people said that, I worked my butt off and I I managed to make some really big changes to it just like days before it went went live on Amazon. So I kind of quickly scrambled to to fix it and then got my very kind proofreader to to kind of pull a pull a bit of an all nighter for me and she she reread it for me and checked checked the chapters that I'd added and what I changed. And then when I sent the book out again to everyone, I went from like three star reviews to four and five star reviews, thankfully. So I'm really glad I put the effort in. So I think having a review team that are willing to be honest with you is just absolutely gold because I would have been so gutted if I'd published the book as it was and then found out a whole bunch of people didn't really like it. Whereas now I feel really stoked that I was able to publish something that people have really enjoyed. Yeah. Since you've sort of mentioned just a little white life by Melody Sweet. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about what it's all about? Sure. Yeah. It's my first real genuine sort of romantic comedy because Lyrics of Love has some comedic stuff in it, but it's more of a contemporary romance with some funny elements. Whereas with um, Just a Little White Lie, I really did my research and I read heaps of rom-coms and I tried to really get my head around the genre. So it was actually super, super fun writing a rom-com. I really enjoyed it. It's an enemies to lovers, brother's best friend kind of rom-com about, um, Mm -hmm. I set it in New Zealand. I don't normally set books in New Zealand. I usually set them in America because that's my biggest market. But I thought, oh, no, I want to set this one just down the road from where I live in Cambridge. So, yeah, it's about this girl, Lauren, who has been living it up in in London and completely going on spending sprees and and just just really living it up and partying quite hard and getting herself into huge amounts of debt. And uh, now she's come back to New Zealand with her tail between her legs and she has to move in with her bossy older brother. um, And he's determined to kind of get her on the straight and narrow. She's got to pay back um, the debt is to her parents. So she has to pay her parents back. And she's a, a, a lady in her mid-20s who feels like she's being treated like a child. She walks in the door and finds out that her brother's best friend, Jack, is also going to be living in the house with them. And uh, she's always been crushing on Jack, but he always treats her like a kid sister. And so they've got a bit of a fractious relationship. And then she is desperate for a job. 
she is a teacher by trade, but she's always she's never really loved it. But she, because she's desperate for a job, she she makes her CV super pretty, and she ends up embellishing it quite a bit. And under her talents and skills, she puts that she's a dancer. And so she gets a call from this elite <laughs> academy, uh, like prep school near Cambridge, which I just made up called Haven Academy, and they are uh, to relief teach. And then she gets there and they're like, so we're going to get you to teach a dance class because you're obviously an expert at dancing. And she's like, holy crap. And so she gets this dance class and it's all like the troublemaker kids. So all these kids that, that cause trouble, they've put them into this dance class to try and, you know, sort them out and keep them entertained <laughs> so they're not disrupting all the other classes with the snooty rich kids. And so, yeah, so it's just her story. And Jack used to be a professional dancer, so she has to ask Jack to help her choreograph some dance moves so that she can teach this class and they end up falling in love. And then she also kind of makes a bond with this this dance crew. And, and then what I've done is with the dance crew, I'm writing their stories under Jordan Ford. So the first character. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, yep. which is quite fun. So the first character. I like that that she kind of conflicts with most as a kid called Maverick, who's a real troublemaker. And then the first Jordan Ford story is called Maverick Loves London. So it's like his story. So each of the Haven Hallways books by Melody Sweet will have a teacher featured and a student will be as a side plot. And then that student will get their book in the next Jordan Ford book, if that makes sense. So... Yeah, so that's been kind of fun because I've had a few Melody Sweet readers go, oh, I definitely want to read Maverick's stories. So they've gone read that one too. So Yeah, yeah that's, that's really cool. That's a yeah. that's a good way of sort of getting people across your different pen names, I think. Yes, well. I mean, it's a little bit um, risky because of our Amazon algorithms and stuff. Like you want to try and keep mm, yeah, your true. Amazon as clean as you can. So I've had to be really careful about when I've let people know. So I think Maverick Loves London was out for a few weeks before I let the Melody Sweet readers know that it was out so that I could try and get make sure that Maverick Loves London didn't end up on romantic comedy search lists and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And make sure. So it's a little bit tricky. And some people have looked at me and gone, that's not going to work. And I'm like, yeah, but it's just fun, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I just want to have some fun with my writing too. Like, I know that, I know that when you're writing, when you want to make it your full-time career you do need to be really um strategic in your choices over what like an actor right like an actor has to be really careful about what roles they choose to take and stuff because it can affect their career and it's the same with a writer you have to you have to be strategic in in how you publish your books and what you choose to write but then another part of me is like yeah but you want to have fun too you don't want to be so strategic mm-hmm. that you're writing stuff that doesn't spark and ignite you anymore so you need to make yeah. sure that you're still doing, because I've written so many books now, I kind of, I, I don't want to ever feel bored and I don't want to ever feel like I'm just spitting out the same stuff again. So with every yeah, new series yep. I write, I try and put even just the tiniest little spin on it. So my little spin this time is to link Melody Sweet and Jordan Ford so that if readers wanted to, they could cross. Because I mean, I'm I'm a YA reader, but I also read rom com, and I you know there's plenty of readers out there who read more than just one genre. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think, you know, even though like strategically it makes sense to stick to like one, and you know, hopefully Amazon picks it up and continues to put it in in front of those readers that you want to be 
attracting but like by the same token you know people do read across genres so you know like the the algorithm is never going to be 100% perfect anyways yeah like you know for for us our book is young adult and we still end up with a lot of adult readers because that adults like to read young adult absolutely yeah I mean I think I'll always love reading young adult no matter how old I get there's just something about teen romance day that just sparks something inside. I mean, that's why I stick with Jordan Ford no matter what, because teen romance is my favourite to write. It's cool writing the yeah. I think with the young adult genre, what what's so attractive about it is that like you get like these really big questions coming up because it's like, you know, a time in people's lives where they're learning who they are. So mm-hmm. you get like these really like sort of identity crisis kind of questions alongside whatever sort of genre you're more focusing on if that makes sense and adults still ask themselves those questions it's not like you solve them all at once so I think it's still relevant to like a lot of adult problems even though like it's more aimed at the young adult audience right absolutely and I know that like for one of my series my favorite series still it was my first Jordan Ford series it's called the Nelson High Raiders series and it's just a very like kind of American football high school kind of romance but I had a lot of people reading it adults reading it saying oh it was like going back to high school again you know like it kind of gave (laughs) nostalgic kind of oh it was just so fun you know and 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 for me Mm -hmm. that series was my opportunity to go back to high school and do it the way I wish that I I you know had the experience I wish that I'd had (laughs) which I didn't I was very like not popular in high school at all so it was just sort of fun to to kind of go back and and experience that again. So I think sometimes adults read YA just to kind of have that fresh. I don't know. There's something so amazing about teenagers. Like they they look at the world because they haven't been tainted yet. <laughs> They're able to look at the world with <laughs> yeah. these just fresh, excited eyes, and, and they feel invincible, and they feel like they've got all of this stuff ahead of them. Um, and they don't have the responsibility of paying the mortgage or, you know, feeding children or, you know, just all that stuff, you know. And, yeah. and it's just quite fun to to play with that time in someone's life. And, and also often the romances that I write, it is a first love. Like they might have had like a casual little mm-hmm. boyfriend for a month or two here or there, but generally speaking, this is their like first love. And there's just something so cool about um working with those emotions that I just love so much yeah yeah even when I I find like reading some of like when I read our series I was like wow we we did stick to like the real teenage kind of feel and I think even the the parts that teenagers probably wish that we didn't see as much like the the little arguments that kind of break out you're just like <laughs> from an adult perspective it's like oh that's kind of cute and kind of funny like there's oh, a bit of a so. definitely I mean I have had sometimes people write reviews going oh these characters are so immature I'm like they're teenagers like <laughs> 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 this is exactly how teenagers I know sound you know so but I love that like I, I love that and, and you've got yeah. to hormones are still raging and and sometimes emotions are very peaked you know so, but I love that you can do that. It's that me. passion there. Yeah, absolutely. It's so fun. Yeah. All right, sorry, got a bit off topic there. Okay. YA is one of our passions as well. <laughs> <laughs> I 
how has your publishing journey been like since that first sort of foray into the self-publishing world how have you found it look it really does have its highs and lows so there's definitely times when you kind of think oh I don't know if I can do this anymore it's a lot of work and I don't know if I've got any fight left in me but every time I ever think that I always think I can't give up I just love writing too much like I've still got so many stories in me so you keep pushing and then you'll have just like a really brilliant few months because like I said that TikTok video took off or or your latest series just seems to really resonate with readers and it kind of does really well, you know. So I've had I've had some series that have done amazingly well and some series that have, well, not bombed completely. Like I've never lost money on a series, but, you know, have not done as well as I was hoping. So it is very much a, a roller coaster ride. Yeah. And, um, and it's a lot of work. And I definitely have noticed a shift in the last couple of years. Like I find it a lot harder to publish now than I used to um I feel like the competition especially in YA particular because that used to be my bread and butter Mm -hmm. without too much hard work and now it is hard work as well as the others so I think YA and also YA shifted like when I when I started my Jordan Ford pen name YA was filled with a lot of sort of sweet sports romance or, or sweet with a bit of an edge like my YA romance has a bit of an edge it's not it's not super sugary sweet like Hallmark sweet. It's um, but it's not, mm-hmm. it's not dark or edgy either. Like some of the YA now is. I've noticed that there's um, kind of been a yeah. lot of YA that's come in that has quite a dark edge. That I think, oh, do you belong in YA or are you more new adult? But you're just doing new adult themes with teenage characters, so you can put it into YA if that makes sense. So, uh. It's definitely gotten harder, but then you can also, the the other flip side is you go, well, there's also still a ton of readers out there. And, and just because there's more authors doesn't mean that there's less readers for you because readers, especially avid readers, you know, if there's, if they're reading their books and they're going to want to read your books too. So it's just a matter of getting your books in front of the right readers for you. That makes sense. Well, exactly. I mean, authors are readers anyway, so, you know, it's, you know, the more people write. I mean, you said that you read 50 a year. I mean, you don't publish 50 a year. So I think exactly. in some ways, yeah. the, the more authors, the more readers you have, if people are reading as much as they write or more yeah. than what they write. But yeah. But so. There's also a lot of people out there who can't write a book who still love to read. So you want those books yes, to. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's about trying to, I mean, I've definitely, over the years, I've lost readers too, which makes sense. Like, when I like I used to read mm-hmm. heaps of Jodie Peacock stuff because she's an amazing writer but after about five or six of her books seven or eight of her books I was kind of like yeah I'm I'm kind of done I mean I might read some of hers again in the future but but I read quite a few of hers and you do start to notice a bit of a pattern so I don't necessarily read her mm-hmm. stuff as much anymore I want to read new authors and, and experience different writing styles and stuff and and so that there'd, there'd definitely be some readers who read my stuff avidly to start with and they're like oh I've kind of read her stuff. I want to meet, I want to see new people now. So it's, it's about also trying to constantly find those new people who, who want to test you out as a new author who have never read your stuff before. So it's about, and then I've got some other readers who are just loyal as and I adore them and they read all my books, no matter how many books I write, they will read my books. So um, it's about looking after them looking after your super fans, but then also trying to constantly find new fans because there is a whole bracket in the middle there who will read some of your stuff, 
but don't want to read all of it and that's totally fine but you need to find new readers to fill in those spaces you know yep totally makes sense and then also I guess with my publishing journey the other thing is that you just constantly having to learn so what's working in Facebook ads what's working in Amazon ads what's working on TikTok what's working on Instagram so I think it's also that you just constantly need to be thinking about or, or looking at the market and figuring out what's working and trying to sort of keep up keep up to date I guess and and that's something yeah, I find really that was the trends yeah, yeah I'm like no but this used to work before I just want to keep doing that <laughs> but you can't always do it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Do you have any tips for anyone who might be new on the scene and becoming a, an author and publishing through the indie pathway? Um, I think do your research is, is a huge one for me. So, so make sure that, one, you know how to write a good book. Like, please don't publish anything that's not worthy of being published because there's a lot of stuff out there that, in my opinion, is not worthy of being published. <laughs> so I think learning the craft of writing is huge I think and then make sure you get lots of feedback and lots of before you publish make sure you know that you're that you've got something really good that readers are going to like and then also as well make sure that you really research the market well I published and then I started learning all about self-publishing I don't know if that was the best way of doing it maybe if I'd taken four or five months to really learn about self-publishing first then my first series might have done better right off the bat so things like um whatever genre floats your boat and makes you really excited about writing research that genre really well first read a whole bunch of books in that genre look at the covers look at the pricing look at the book descriptions um are the books written in first person or third person are they written in dual point of view are they written in the present tense or the past tense um what kind of tropes are really popular in the genre just so that you because what you want to do is you you want to fit, like you don't want to be exactly the same as all the other books, but you want to fit enough so that when a reader sees your book, they can assume what the book's going to be about and then they'll read it and you've totally delivered and now they want to read more of your books. So I think taking mm-hmm. the time to research and know your genre really well, your subgenre really well, and also have a book that reads really well and that readers really enjoy, you're going to have a much easier path to success, I think. Yeah, that would be my tip. I think that's some really good advice because it's easy to get swept up in the idea of just publishing your book and putting it out there, right? So it's Mm. really good to stop, take a breath, do a bit of research and figure out, you know, exactly what the best move is for you before jumping in blind Oh, definitely. And I know, and I get it because you're so excited about putting your work out there and it's quite emotional. <laughs> and so you want to get it out <laughs> yes. there. But also, yeah, if you can take the time to, to do it right, then you might actually have a shot at kind of really setting yourself up well, if that's what your goal is. Like some people honestly just want to write their book and publish it just so they can say they've done that and that's all they need. And that's awesome, you know, like go them. But if you're really wanting to make a career out of this, or you want it as a part-time enough to bring in a part-time income or whatever your goals are then you do need to take the time to research and learn and you'll just have a much better shot at it yeah yeah I think probably the the next question that we'd have I think you've covered it a little bit already talking about keeping up with the latest trends and 
but were there any other challenges that you find that you have with your writing? I think just marketing mainly. Yeah, marketing's my my biggest bugbear. Like, I would love to be able to find a marketing manager who could just do all that for me. Although it's good to probably keep your finger on the pulse as well. Yes. But but yeah, marketing for me is a big challenge. And I guess also with writing, because I've written quite a few now, I do sometimes worry that my writing might go stale or that um, that it's not as good as it used to be kind of thing. Um, just because you write lots of books doesn't automatically make you better. So I think I also would love to I need to make sure that I'm still you know doing a bit of professional development every now and then just kind of brushing up on good editing or like reading the odd good editing book or reading the the odd you know uh storybook again just 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 to refresh on on what makes a good story I one challenge for me is that I often overload myself with what I I get excited about the stories I want to publish and then I set up these stupid ridiculous deadlines that that maybe don't bring out the best in me and then affect my mental health so I think as well mental health is one that I have to be careful with it's a very uh when you run your own business I'm sure I'm not the only person on the planet who struggles with this but it it's really hard work it's really easy to compare yourself with people doing better than you and you have to really look after your mental health and that's an area that that I need to improve in because I, I can find myself jumping on that stupid, like, oh, I'm not a very good writer or I didn't, my book didn't do as well as theirs and they're so much better than me and this is too hard and if I can do that, you know, like I just caught, I get caught in this vortex of um, really negative self-talk. So one thing that mm-hmm. I try and do is I always try and have like a, a good book just on the side that I'm reading every now and then that's just reminding me of staying mentally strong and and making sure that I'm speaking messages of positivity and stuff like that uh, because I don't have anyone working with me on a day-to-day basis I don't have little you know how when you're in an office job or whatever you might have like a Monday morning team meeting and you're kind of you're working with someone and you're uh, you're able to talk and chat and boost each other up but when you work on your own mm-hmm. you've only really got you and I do have other authors that I interact with but most of them are in America. So all of my interactions with people right. online, you see. And so I think you do just have to be, yeah, you just have to make sure that you're you're telling your brain the right messages and that you don't get caught on that comparison bandwagon, which is a very dangerous one to ride on. So easy just to accidentally find yourself sort of thinking that way sometimes. Oh, definitely. And, and the thing is, is you don't know anyone else's story. Like you, you don't know what struggles they're all facing. Like the pe- the authors that I kind of look up to, I have no idea if they're spending a huge amount of money on advertising. So they're only probably making as much as I mm-hmm. am. It's just that you know, like, I just don't know. I don't know what struggles they might be struggling with at home. You, you just don't know anyone's backstory. So comparing is actually a really dangerous game to play because you could be like, oh, I want to be like them. But then if you became them, you might find that they've actually got all these other issues that you didn't know about. And now you've got, just because you've, money doesn't always get you all the things that you necessarily want or the success you think you want might not actually be the success that you need. So I think also, sorry, I'm going a bit off track here, but I think also figuring out what success is for you and being really happy Mm -hmm. with that. So if success is all monetary, that's, a much harder success to always reach because this is a roller coaster and some months are awesome and some months aren't. 
Whereas if success is getting really good reviews or producing a book that readers love, then then your chances of having success, if that's my success, then for me, I'm really successful because I've been lucky enough to get lots of amazing reviews on my books and have readers talk really highly in my books. So it's like, well, that makes me a really successful author if that's what your success is. Or if success for you is just loving the writing experience, then that's your success, if that makes sense. Sorry. Oh, no, that's totally understandable. I think it's about setting like realistic goals, right? You know, Mm. even if your vision of success is money, then maybe rather than looking at it as like a a monthly thing, because you do have like down months and then good months and maybe Mm. look at it as more of like a yearly view, like how did I do this year rather than how did I do this month or, you know, and like realizing that it's Rome isn't building a day and you have to take it incrementally like you're not going to become a millionaire overnight so it's just being realistic about your your goals I think yeah yeah I think there was one more question which is what books do you have on the horizon as well oh yes yes. um I've actually got a really busy year this year and this is what I mean about overextending myself so um at the end of this month I have a box set coming out called falling for the first time which is all of my Jordan Ford first in series in one box set so it means that people can test out each of my series to see which one they like which will be fun I got uh I'm re-editing um an old Melissa Pearl novel that I'm going to be republishing in August and then in September the next Sophia Quinn book comes out which will be fun uh and then in October the next Melody Sweet book comes out called Just a Little Fake Romance which I'm really looking forward to because it's a fake fake dating such um, cute titles so cute and it's like a little sweet librarian with the uh, grumpy Scottish caretaker of the school (laughs) he's a single dad and he's yeah anyway I'm super super excited about that one and then the next Jordan Ford novel called Sailor Loves Dante will be coming out in November and that'll be my final book for the year but I'm looking forward to that one too because it's um so the Jordan Ford series I'm working on is obviously all around dance because it's following members of this dance crew. And in the second book, it's kind of ballroom dancing. And um, I'm a huge fan of the movie Strictly Ballroom. So I'm pulling on a lot of Strictly Ballroom vibes while while I'll be writing that one. So I'm very excited to work on that one too. So yeah, it's a busy year. I don't usually publish quite so many books in a year, but (laughs) I just feel like I'm on this crazy ride at the moment and I can't get off right now. (laughs) So I just have to... (laughs) No, hold tight. Sounds like quite the schedule. (laughs) Just have to roll with it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So where can people find your books? Um, So all of my books are in Kindle Unlimited. So they're on Amazon. Just, just, you know, type in Jordan Ford or Melody Sweet or or Melissa Pearl or Sophia Quinn and you'll find those. But I also have um, foreverlovepublishing.com as my website. Uh, and if people are interested, I've actually just started a two-month reading challenge, which I do every year, where every there's like 25 tasks on it, and every task you complete is an entry into the grand prize draw, and that just started today, actually. So it's on my Forever Love Publishing website if you just type in reading challenge. Um, I can send you guys the link, actually. So if people want to join in with that, that would be super cool if they wanted to check out um, the website and stuff so yeah that's sort of foreverlovepublishing.com is sort of my central place where people can find all of my books 
But then I also have a Jordan Ford website and a Melissa Kerr website. Um, and then, yeah, on Amazon, you can find all of my books there. Perfect. And how can people get in touch with you? Um, so I'm mainly on Instagram. It's my favorite social media. So messaging me through Instagram is probably the, the one way they can reach me or um, social media wise, I'm on TikTok. And then I also have a Facebook group called the Forever Love Crew, which you can ask to join. And then, yeah, all my other contact details are on my website under the contact page, which has got email addresses and stuff like that. And I love hearing from readers. So if you're listening and you're a reader and you want to say hi, please email me or message me. I absolutely love interacting with readers. Um, just for those who might not know your Instagram handle, what is Oh, sorry. Is that? <laughs> That's sorry, all good. Sorry. So I'm on Jordan Ford Books is my Jordan Ford Instagram. So Jordan Ford Books or Melody Sweet Author. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking with us. It's been a great chat that we've had and we've talked about some very interesting things about publishing and yeah, I've just had a wonderful time. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome talking to you guys. And yay for YA. It's always awesome to meet people who yeah. are as passionate <laughs> about writing YA as I am. <laughs> yes, and yay for New Zealand authors as well. Yay, yes. <laughs> it's not often that we get New Zealand authors on, so it's great <laughs> to be able to sort of promote some people a bit closer to home. Or I mean, I know I'm in Canada, but I still... Yeah, feel the New Zealand vibe. <laughs> yeah, so thank you very much. Thank you. So there are still some spots left on our author spotlight section. Uh, so if you'd like to be on the show like Melissa just was, you can head on over to our website, lindisoncreations.com um, and hover your mouse over the podcast tab and you should find a link to apply. So next time on Dear Writer, it's our talking shop episode where we review uh, writing resources that we find helpful. And if you'd like to know more about us and our writing projects, then you can visit us at lindersoncreations.com or contact us on Facebook or Instagram on Linderson Creations. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your podcatch of choice and we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone. Thank you.